Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, Dr. Dad's coming at you today. This is Dr. David Wardy, and I'm with Dr. Nick Jensen. Just it's, a, another day in paradise, right? Uh, you, you're absolutely right. This is an interesting time of, as you say, paradise. Yeah. You know, before we got on the call today and me and Nick were talking to do the show, we we're actually just speaking about kind of the state of where we're all at right now, because literally I think everybody's in this together right now. And, and that's actually, I think that's a strength in all this. You know, there's like this silver lining. Uh, amongst the chaos right now and I really think it's because we're all in this together yeah there's there's something about that right when you when you know that you're not alone and other people are feeling what you're feeling it, it just it sort of makes it a little bit easy like easier despite just the challenge that we're all in there you know we were kind of talking about before there's definitely people in different parts of the world that just aren't feeling any of this and and there's it's just it's this weird feeling of like oh like I want them to know what it feels like to go through something like this and and at the same time like grateful that not everybody has to um, but there is something really interesting about wanting um, others to know what it's like to feel what you're feeling and you know that's it's a it's a global thing so we're we're all we're all connected to it right now whether we like it or not um, it's happening right. Well, and the more I talk to you, I'm like, God, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Texas, down in the south, and Europe, and the north, and Canada, and we're both talking about the same stuff. Like, how rare is that? That like oh, we're in the same issue together at the same time. I mean, and you and me are small business owners, and we were talking about that as well. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, you know, as as this carries forward, I mean, the reality of of the impact of how this you know situation is dismantling the functionality of most small businesses or people who, you know, rely on their paychecks to, to get through, you know, their weeks, their months. Um, it's devastating. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely, I got to say, I'm very happy to see that the government seems to be doing whatever they can to alleviate some of that trauma for people, but no doubt it's real. It's, you know, we, we were talking about this before the call too, is there's so much in the unknown where we, if we continue to have a, you know, to be in that habitat and that space of, of, fear and and not knowing and and anchoring into that um we see a lot of crazy stuff coming out in people right a lot of that underlying trauma that hasn't been healed well and that's the theme of today man you know where you you say fear and, and these traumas and things like that and the state that people are in as far as their emotional mental health and you know today i got up this morning early and i just had like this thought come to me at my 5 30 a.m startup when i get into that little bit of a meditative state and i thought we need to talk about the vagus nerve, cranial nerve 10, because mm -hmm. this is such an important topic right now with where everybody is because of this state of fear and this worry and the fear of the unknown. And this is a massive part that affects not just our immune system, it affects inflammation. I mean, I, we're going to talk a lot about that today, but this is a vital component of your health and and, and everyone needs to create awareness of this and be educated on, on, on what will help uh, this part of your physiology and what we need to do maybe to, to help us get into this parasympathetic mode we're going to talk about. But so important, man. I'm kind of surprised we have not dipped into this a little bit more already. 
Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about the theme of it, but not not it directly, and and just how how much you know our environment dictates you know the response of the vagus nerve on the myriad of different organ systems that are connected. I mean, essentially, the the vagus nerve hooks up to every single system in the body, and so it is an important discussion point for sure, especially in the in the time that we're living in right now. So let's get into it, man. You ready? let's do it well let's so, let's give everybody like an actual date because it's interesting because man things change fast like what happened what was a reality yesterday in this in this pandemic is different today right so we're uh, it's today's march 24th today's a tuesday and um many places around the north around north america and different parts of the world are, are in full-on lockdown and not every state is there uh not every province is there in canada um, but we're all at sort of different timelines of something that, that's to come. So some of us are further ahead on that timeline. Some of us a little further behind. We're all in this together, obviously, but it's just crazy how much change happens. So I just wanted to put a shout out on the actual date of this recording, because by the time this gets released, yeah. we're going to be, you know, transported in a completely different world, which we have yet to, to discover. So yeah, let's, let's take it away on the Vegas nerve. That's so true, man. Just look at from just last Tuesday to today, how much has changed. So absolutely right, man. So yeah, let's get into it real quick. So vagus nerve, this is a, a very important nerve in our body and it has direct connections between our brain and our vital organs. And a lot of organs, everybody, your, your stomach, your lungs, your heart, your spleens, your intestines, your liver and your kidneys. So many innervations to organs here. And outside of that, just think about the functions of it. This, uh, our inflammatory response primarily basically all vagus uh, you get into regulation of your breathing the regulation of your heart rate uh, basically your stress response your body's ability to activate the adrenocorticotrophic hormone all these things literally all are based off the vagal nerve vagus nerve cranial nerve 10 so the big thing that we need to hit here for everybody is this is a huge part of your body's ability to sink back into parasympathetic tone so I've previously talked a little bit about our autonomic nervous system. We have our sympathetic, which is our fight or flight or emergency mode. And we have our parasympathetic tone, which is our rest and relaxation. So we're supposed to be in and out of fight or flight in acute uh, stages, but most of the time we're supposed to be living in a parasympathetic tone. So this is massive, right, Nick? Oh man, it's huge. <clears throat> if, if we couldn't say it's the biggest problem of our time, um, it's, it's up there uh, as one of the biggest issues is just, you know, if we look back in, at, our, at our evolution, we, we had to have a very strong fight or flight switch. We had to have a very strong um, limbic system, uh, limbic area of the brain, which is that sort of reptilian or animalistic part of our brain that allowed us to survive, you know, crises. And so it's a very well massaged part of our, our brain. And so it's why we, it's so easy for us to move into that fight or flight, but our modern day stressors are obviously very different. We're in, we're in an extreme different situation where we are now at this given point in time and date uh, this year, uh, of course. But I mean, that's something that's been so programmed into who we are to, to, to move away from danger, to move away from pain, to uh, find safety and, and, and live out of that state of survival. Um, so it's, it's, no, it's not a big surprise why people have to be more active in their approach to actually activate the opposite. So, and that's where you come in. Well, and, and you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, we should probably talk a little bit about modern stressors 
what are the type of things that are going to throw this very primal nervous system into fight or flight or emergency mode? And so let's talk a little bit about just like going throughout the day, how people maybe get stuck in sympathetic tone and how easy it is for them to be there most of their day. And if this becomes chronic long-term, this is where we start to have problems where we move into dis-ease. So you get up, let's say you didn't sleep well and we're already running late for work. And then on the way to work, because you didn't sleep well and, and you're running late, you have somebody cut you off, right? So then, so then it's because one of those fun moments where it's like, hey, this guy's cutting me off, right? Spiking some adrenaline there. You get to the office, maybe you're running late. Uh, coworker starts to irritate you. I mean, look how many times people get hit, okay? And those are just like maybe emotional, more mental things, right? Yeah. But I mean, you get into even physical stressors of, of people not moving enough, right? I mean, there's all these things that are just adding stress that can actually put the body into these states. And then biochemical stressors. People, when you eat toxic food, this, trigger, this can trigger a sympathetic tone in your system. Your body is reacting to this. So there's all these different things that are constantly triggering the system in our modern day from toxicity to, uh, like I'm saying, if you're not moving enough and we're sedentary, uh, to uh, physical traumas, accidents, to emotional traumas, uh, living in fear and worry like we are now right now with this pandemic, some people. And then they're stuck. They get stuck in fight or flight. They're stuck in emergency mode. And then there's this onslaught of things that start to break down in the system. So when you're stuck in this mode, your body's perceiving this the same way it would if like a tiger walked into the room right now where you were, right? So your body's going to have basically this crazy response. Your heart rate is going to increase. Our blood pressure goes up. Our breathing becomes more rapid. We start breathing with these secondary muscles up here. Your shoulders start to get tight. You know, your breath gets shallow. Uh, Some people will actually sweat if there's an injury or infection. And then you actually become inflamed. This triggers inflammation in the system. Mm -hmm. So being stuck there, right? Totally. And that's that. That reality is it's a chronic state for for so many people, and you know while we're all you know spending time downstream looking at you know adrenal support or you know doing a better exercise regimen or what you know whatever the story is, we're so distracted. It's like there's a movie playing. We're watching the movie. We're not paying attention to to what the contents of the actual movie or. or and and that's part that's a huge part of where where we get stuck is because we're we're spending so much of our time symptom managing essentially and so we're we're reaching for the coffee to to drive us up you know more aggressively in the, in the start of the day we're using alcohol or different things like that to wind down at nighttime or we start moving down the 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 roller coaster of medications for sleep um, or for anxiety or depression whatever that story is. So we start looking outside of us to self-medicate for this chronic state of fight or flight that we're in. And it's just perpetuating the problem. So, you know, we, we need some, we need a better toolkit. We need a better understanding of, of how our body's perceiving stress. And we need some lifestyle tools to really reactivate that vagal nerve tone. Um, you know, when, when, when something's so like worn, like when a path is so worn, you know, it's so easy to keep going down that same path. And in the brain, all that neural circuitry is basically saying danger, react, danger, react. And the neural pathways are so primed for that reaction, react, reactivation phase that we're not actually moving into an adaptation where we're actually able to heal and overcome and, and, and uh, find a balance point for things. So, 
it's not a surprise that, you know, something this massive goes on and people move into panic buying and start buying up all the toilet paper and you know, whatever else is getting like, you know, pulled out of the grocery stores as a result of just this fight or flight switch being fully activated. And so we've lost our, our state of presence and uh, resiliency because we're, we're just primed for, for reactivity. Well, and we need a counterbalance. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the other side of this because the magic here, everyone, lies in your body's ability to harmoniously balance your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system. These have to work together and complement one another for literally for your immune system to work and for your body to function properly. So the parasympathetic nervous system basically helps calm and relax our body. It promotes rest and sleep and drowsiness. It slows our heart rate. It gets our breathing to slow down and it reduces inflammation. And it, it, and it helps when our immune system may be overreacting. It can actually come and bring this back into balance as well. So, you know, you can even get into autoimmune here a little bit and talk about some of these people that have developed autoimmune over the years. It, this has been a state of maybe staying in fight or flight for too long for this has been a chronicity and now it is having an impact on the immune system. Um, and then, the, then you have the infl inflammatory factors as well. So we need this counterbalance. These, these have to work harmoniously with each other. And the vagus nerve is the switchboard. It basically is what creates this body's ability to sink back into that rest and calm state. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, if, if we broke down some of our modern day practices, like, like we, you touched on it before, some people don't realize that that switch is being aggressively activated as a result of, you know, the medications, the toxins that are stuck in their body, especially in the brain. I mean, we've talked about this before. The brain is like a sponge for toxins because toxins move into a, in areas of fat. And when we have chronic digestive issues, we've opened up those uh, pathways for that leaky gut to move into leaky brain. And, you know, and so when people are doing all the right things, right, they're, uh, all the right things for most people is I eat well and I move right? Or, or maybe in a supplement. And so though that constitutes as someone's radar for health, which is so crazy. Oh, no, I take care of myself. I, I eat right. Whatever that means to you, I move again, whatever that means to you. And I take a couple supplements or whatever, you know, that does not determine health. I mean, if, if you don't know your sympathetic tone, unless you're running something like heart rate variability, some sort of objective measurement, there's lots of other tools out there. But your, your blood work, your, how your biochemistry is basically a symptomatic response to the state of that chronic fight or flight. And so you mentioned inflammation. Sometimes looking at CRP, C-reactive protein, looking at um, detox markers like homocysteine or looking at cholesterol markers like are you storing more sugar than you're supposed to? Are you looking at heavy metals and, and finding the toxic burden? Like there's a reason why that gas pedal is more aggressively turned on in some people and others. So, you know, that, that counterbalance sometimes is really hard to activate. Like even if you start doing some good breath work, right? There's, there's usually more to the story. Um, and for some people it's, it's the measure that they need to take. So I think we should also just talk about sometimes those counterbalance points work phenomenal for some and then, and then others need to dive a little bit deeper. Right. Well, and, you know, it's funny cause like you're saying people's thought process is what am I putting in, but they don't think of like, what do I need <laughs> to keep out, out totally. of my body? Like what should not go in 
know, and I was there, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I used to be there with my health, just the diet and the exercise. But then you get into these other areas, like you're saying, of like understanding how much toxicity and heavy metals and infection and these other things play a role in your system's ability to be in this parasympathetic tone and not be stuck in that sympathetic distress all the time. Yeah. And that chronic state of inflammation, because that's what's just breed. It's just the breeding ground, like you say, the terrain, right? That you start to set up for your health, and then it's not going to lead down a good path. So true. So, like, why, why don't why don't you talk about some of the different innervations of it? So, I always call it the rest digest system, but obviously, it's helping to create create proper communication for your immune system. It's helping to create proper recovery for like the musculoskeletal system. It's helping to bring down inflammation in the heart. You know, um, it's helping to to move people into a state of recovery. So when they've got injury, it's really hard to recover from injury when your body's in survival. It's kind of like, you know, if you're running from a saber-toothed tiger, you step on a, a nail, you're going to keep running. Like obviously, it's the, that that's still going to hurt, but you, you're going to have to bypass some things. So I know you, you part of your testing with NIS is that you realize that people have areas of the body they just shut down because it's like I'm getting too many messages from that, so I'm going to stop the communication system to that area. So think about people with autoimmune or other chronic immune deficiency or or other you know chronic issues. Sometimes it's because that area has just been it's an it's an activating point. Your brain shuts it down. It's just that it's on autopilot. It's not going to be moved into a healing zone at all. It's just a switch that's activated. And then it's kind of like the bold frog. Well, that's, that's turned on. That inflammatory system's turned on. That detox pathway is just shut down because it's overwhelmed. Uh, that pain syndrome is just going to be chronically turned on because the brain communication isn't, you know, reset that one. So you know, talk about some of those things because uh, that's, that's an important piece of this whole discussion. I like the way you laid that out, man, because the longer I've been in practice and the more I've created understanding of all these things and looking at the overall picture of our health and what's affecting it, I started to see things a little differently, man. Like, you know, you know, changing the diet, doing all the things we're talking about, reducing toxicity, exercise, you got to do all those things right to take care of your body. But honestly, one of the biggest things that's going to have an impact that comes from above, down, inside out is the brain's effect on your physiology and and that and that literally that relationship of communication so like you're saying when we're overstressed the body's getting distracted and it's stuck in sympathetic it's constantly in this fight or flight emergency mode and like you're saying after a while once it's stuck there the body doesn't shut it off it just kind of stays in that mode and it becomes a chronic problem and so what do i see how does this roll out when i see a lot of people and it's funny what you see in their health problems and then kind of when you look upstream on what's the bigger picture neurologically they always have the vagal nerve showing up on NIS, which means that pathway is blown out. There's no signaling taking place. So their body's ability sink, to sink back into that parasympathetic tone is not there. And so other relationships I'll see there is the limbic system, which is where our autonomic nervous system lies. This is our emotional brain, right? So it just goes to show you how much our emotional mental health plays into our state of health. And I want to kind of stay here, man, because this is kind of where I want to start. So we're going to get into a little bit of how this, how this being shut off long-term affects us from different levels, but let's talk about the immune system as well at the same time. So we'll get into the, the brain-gut axis of our enteric nervous system. So this is a very unique uh, 
it's a it's actually a beautiful type design if you look at, at the way this is designed man so there's these two vital messengers that we have to use all day long uh to, and they have to stay in balance with each other but they run independently of each other but they have to work together as a collective and this is glutamate and gaba so you know, the vagus plays this massive role in this brain-gut access. And what happens is if we're stuck in this on position too long with this sympathetic tone, we don't get enough GABA produced. So this brings on anxiousness, it overstimulates, and it causes us to feel very overwhelmed. And then we get a buildup of glutamate, which means we're going to be stuck with anxiety, depression, restlessness, insomnia, fatigue, and increase, increased sensitivity to pain. So... When this is when we can't keep balance of this literally vital axis of our body, it has this massive effect on our immune system. And so it becomes a dictator and it compromises immunity, our digestion. So I always tell people if you're stuck in emergency mode, you're not gonna break food down. And then it's going to sit in your gut and then it's going to cause inflammation. And then that causes infl inflammatory uh, inflammation uh, systemically. And then you're not going to have energy because you're not breaking your food down. And then your heart rate's going to go up, right? And then you're going to have issues with your mood, like I'm talking with is anxiety or depression and we're overstimulated. And, and so you get stuck in this state, man. And then honestly, the body becomes addicted. Your own brain can become addicted to this. Yeah. And Joe Dispenza talks about that. He talks about the build because there's a hormone response, everybody, that is created from being in this state. And if you're always stuck in this state, the body can literally create an addiction and want to be constantly fed this chemical cascade of being in that state. So you can be addicted to your own behaviors yeah. and your thoughts because what of because of what they're creating downstream, man. And then that's when you see the big picture of the person's health. This rolls out in so many different ways from autoimmune to I have digestive disorders and I have bowel issues with my bowels to I have pain like in all my joints throughout the body, right? Some people would cause, you know, this is caused fibromyalgia sometimes or, you know, I mean, it goes on and on and on. It presents in a lot of different ways, you know, high blood pressure. I mean, all these things. But you go all the way back to the root, man, and, and we're at the root right now. This is what's causing all these downstream effects of disease in the body. Yeah. I love that you said that. You, you explained it so well, and it's such an important message for people because that, that inflammatory switch that gets activated in the gut is really what keeps that brain inflamed, right? And, and one of the, people may or may not realize this, but you know, a good 90%, it's estimated that of, your, of our neurotransmitters that you mentioned, GABA, glutamate, serotonin, dopamine, it's manufactured in the GI system. And so when your GI system is constantly fighting a battle because of the food you're putting in or the toxicity that's there, the chronic you know, uh, response or reacti reactivity towards that stress uh, center where you're not you know, absorbing your food and things aren't moving properly through, the toxicity is not getting out your serotonin actually converts into something called quinolinic acid, which you can measure in something called organic acid test, which is a urine test looking at you know, your metabolites for inflammation, neurotransmitters, amino acids, infections, things like that. We run this test quite often and we see this ratio of way too much quinolinic acid, which is this anti-inflammatory mediator that's being dumped over from serotonin, which is our, you know, feel good, happy. And, uh, and yeah, no doubt GABA is getting depleted. And so you can see all these things in a, in a functional test to show and prove that like, 
something upstream has caused this, you know, downstream chronic inflammatory process. And that's what's feeding back in the brain. And that's partly where that, you know, they call it the, the, the lymphatics or the lymphatic system of the brain, the glial cells in the brain are part of that chronic addictive response when they're chron- chronically inflamed. And so you get this feedback loop of inflammation perpetuating through the gut brain access. And that's messing with your hormones or keeping that, you know, uh, nervous system dominant state or sympathetic dominant state, which is keeping that blood pressure high, keeping you in fight or flight, keeping you in that state so you're ready to run away from the saber-toothed tiger. And this this is why we get stuck in inflammatory pathways or chronic migraine headaches or hormone disruption or gut issues or skin issues or, you know, you name it. So it's it's ultimately tied. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. There's three big things that can happen to us that lead to a dis-ease in the body. It's trauma, toxicity, and infection. And this is trauma. And we're in this global trauma together right now with um, all these unknowns. And whatever that was there before, my goodness, it can only get exacerbated until you start to, you know, unpack some of these um, stressors that are showing up in the body. Well, you know, I'm hearing you talk about it again, man. And I'm thinking like so many people don't understand why long term we have this 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 illness this this ease that starts to take place in our body you know you look at things like we have this massive epidemic right with uh, hypothyroid right and then you get into like autoimmune Hashimoto's or you get into just some of these chronic health conditions you know my wife suffered with them so this kind of hits home with me and I can tell you after it's all played out I see this as one of the bigger issues because this was the theme when I got into NIS with her as well and we started putting her back together was all vagus nerve stuff yeah. And her inability to sh- to give sink back into that parasympathetic tone, so it was like when she was when she was stuck in that state, man. It's like the body can't return back to a healing mode. Like it's a, it, it can stay in the stressed mode to have a healing response, but then it can't get into the healing. So this goes back to that thing, you know. I always tell people, you can have uh, can you have infl- can you have healing without inflammation? No bad thing we heal but can you have inflammation without healing and the answer is yes mm-hmm. so you know these people get stuck in this chronic state of inflammation but then there's no healing because their body's not able to sink back into the state to be able to rebuild and repair and it, it, like i said it's just it's playing out in so many different pictures and you can label it if you want to all these different diagnoses but like how broad spectrum of literally diagnosis could we throw on a sheet of paper for where this is the root issue yeah well yeah and you may be listening to this and going oh shit like there's a (laughs) there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on but i mean part of it i mean the second half of this is going to be solution based but the point is is that if we don't anchor into this chronic state of dysfunction that we found ourselves in you know, we're going to be constantly afraid of the next virus. We're going to be constantly afraid of the next looming dis-ease that's showing up in the body. So we have to shine the light on the things that aren't working instead of just 
you know, adding new things in here, do this new, you know, supplement, do this new dietary plan, do this new thing, because it's going to magically cure everything. No, we have to face our shadow. We have to look at the things that aren't working. And, you know, you know, I, I use the example of, you know, if you can bring new furniture into your house, you got to get rid of the old stuff first. Otherwise you're going to have a cluttered house. I mean, the, the point is, is that we have to shine a light on these things that are not working so that we can be more prepared. Now, if we broke this down just from an immune perspective point of view, you know, there's, there's a lot of comparisons going on with um, uh, this virus uh, relating it back to the Spanish flu and, and everything that was going on in the Spanish flu, the first wave was really a problem, but it wasn't really until the second wave hit that it was, it was the, the most devastating effect. And it's because, I mean, there's many different reasons why it was so much worse the second time around. So, you know, we're going to be coming out of this wave um, as we get closer into the summer season. It gets warmer. The virus can't survive in, in higher temperatures and that kind of thing uh, for the most part. Um, and then we're going to have another flu season. And then every year... After that, we're going to have another flu season. So how are you going to set yourself up for success as each flu season, as each, you know, new test that comes back as positive for cardiovascular disease or diabetes or whatever that, that new stress is going to be in our life? That stress will never go away. But how resilient, how much trauma have you unpacked? How much toxicity have you unpacked out of your body? Have you actually turned off that chronic inflammatory switch because you've offloaded and you've got to the root cause of why things are showing up? Or are you going to keep being stuck in that reactive uh, phase where there's no resolution, right? And so that's, that's why the, the, you know, we have to bring attention to it and unfortunately talk about some of the challenges that this presents with us, but also know that there are tools to, to move into correction. So let's talk about the tools, man, because I think everyone, like you said, is like, what? <laughs> and now they're like, okay, give us a solution. So, <clears throat> you know, Nick said it earlier, this kind of starts with the three T's, toxins, trauma, and thoughts. And the whole way to simplify this for you all is, you just remove interference. And there's so many different ways that we can do this. You know, real quick, I want to tell a quick story that I hear a lot from my patients when, when I'll ask them when I start to find things either on NIS or as I'm assessing their nervous system. I just ask them a very simple question and I'll be like, so tell me about your lifestyle and your life. Are you stressed? Do you, do you think you have high, high to moderate stress? Oh, no, 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 I don't stress at all. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're the only human being that walks this planet that doesn't have any stress on their body. And they just kind of <laughs> look at me. Well, I just don't have anything. And it's so funny because some people aren't very conscious of what these stressors are and what stress is actually good stress on your body, body and what stresses are actually playing a negative role in your health. So let's just start. You know, Nick, I like when I hear you talk about how important breathing and yoga and some of these things are and how that addresses our emotional mental health. I think that's actually the root. Everybody, if you ask me to talk about, they're all important. Okay. One doesn't outweigh the other and your nervous system can't tell the difference between the three, but probably one of the more, one of the things that is probably one of the harder ones to tackle, but is probably the most important. I would say, Nick, wouldn't you say is our emotional mental health? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I always like to show people just how quickly they can snap out of that sympathetic state. You know, I mean, heart math has done an amazing job, I think, of helping to educate people on just the role of breath and, and how you can actually measure your nervous system through looking at heart rate variability. And so 
<clears throat> I try to get every patient that comes into our clinic to just walk them through a basic sequence to go, okay, this is you right now. Um, we're, me- we're measuring real time, looking at the changes in the heart rhythms, um, just having a basic chat with them. And I tell them like, listen, if this is you on a regular basis, this is a somewhat neutral environment. This is just how your body's responding to this environment at this moment in time. And it looks, you know, all kind of wacky, essentially. You want nice heart rhythm. You want a nice big change in your heart rate over time. And that's going to change from moment to moment. Most people think like, oh, I've got a heart rate of 60 beats per minute. No, you don't. That's changing all the time. It's not about your heart rate. It's about your heart rate variability. Are you able to go from 60 beats per minute up to 100 and back down to 60 again? Is that going to move in a nice smooth sine wave? Um, If so, you've got an amazingly strong, stable nervous system in this particular environment. And then we teach them the breath and the, the visualization and the meditation that goes along with this heart coherence rhythm. And we see massive changes in how the nervous system responds. And the message really is, is that your heart has the largest electromagnetic field, much bigger than your brain. And your heart, guess what? wants to piggyback off your breath. So if your breath is in the upper, you know, upper respiratory centers, like up in the chest and the the trap uh, area, you're going to have a a pretty crappy heart rate variability, which means that your body's constantly registering a sympathetic dominant state. And it's not until we get into proper breath that we can start to really uh, communicate and get the heart in resonance with your breath. And so your, your breath is either happening unconsciously or consciously. And so we've got a choice in as many moments through our day to bring, come back to conscious breathing, enter yoga, enter meditation, enter, you know, any reflective, reflective practice that gets your body's movements in coordination with your breath. And now you've got a recipe to um, harness new neural pathways in the brain, harness new neural pathways in the heart to, to communicate that this is our steady state. Our steady state is to be in a parasympathetic state, come into sympathetic stress response when needed. And I mean, we could go on and on on this, but that's the basic objective analysis that we can do with just looking at breath and it's powerful stuff. And I know you've used heart rate variability for years. Oh, I I love heart rate variability just because of the picture that we can get, like you said, of our autonomic nervous system and, and the state of where it's at. And it just paints such a big picture, man, of like where people are with their ability to handle stress, right? Like you're yeah. saying, like, you know, you're you're in this nice neutral office and look at where you're at right now. So I think it helps people become more conscious of like the state of their well-being, maybe even emotionally from a mental state where they are in life. And then they get a they get a picture painted for them, and it's crazy, man. I'm listening. I love hearing you talk about breath because it's so important. But I know there's people listening saying, "Oh, it couldn't be that simple." But honestly, <clears throat> everybody, it really is that simple. It is like we have all this crazy medicine out there, and people are getting drugged up and doing all these things. And I'm here to tell you right now that you don't need any of that. You need a practice to dig into, whether it's breathing or it's some of these other things we're going to give you, because you have been designed this way for a reason. It's body by design, and we've been given this ability to do this. And if you just go and dip into it and start accessing it, it will start to work, but it has to be a practice. Yeah. And it is that simple. I can't like hit that home enough. Yeah. And, and know this, like if, you're, if you just got in a car accident, you're still going to need to go to emergency and on your way there, you can breathe. 
There right? you go. That's, that's <laughs> it. It's like this, pri- I mean, glad you anchored into that because people need to know that this needs to be as important as brushing your teeth, as important as, you know, eating your scheduled meals, you know, your intermittent fasting schedule. Breath work is vital, especially in the world that we live in. If we don't tap into our breath, nothing else you do is going to have that kind of impact. The simplicity of your breath is, is so vitally important. And I mean, and then there's different levels of breath work. I mean, you can just get into a good heart rhythm and, and get your parasympathetic nervous system toned up again and encourage that. I mean, there's, there's powerful work in breath work. There's holotropic breathing. There's Kundalini yoga type breath work. I mean, David and I had this experience in men's cab. We were like, we were in an altered state as a result of these, these breath patterns that we were doing with the different postures we were in, we start to access your trauma that you don't even realize is there. And you go through these massive healings and, and come up with amazing, incredible clarity because you're accessing altered states of consciousness. You're not in the constant do, 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 do mode. You're starting to get in the B and starting to unravel, to offload some of this heaviness that's stuck in our emotional system that you, you can't see until you go through a practice. So, you, I mean, you nailed it. Like hitting a pra- daily practice is as important as nutrition, as important as hydration. I mean, and and it's something that it's it's the one thing that you can't go longer than like five minutes without. I mean, or maybe longer. Some people maybe can hold their breath longer than that, but it's the one core vital thing that you can have control over that is is more essential than food and hydration so uh and most of us aren't accessing that level of information uh to communicate properly the body so it's massive massive effects on your vagus nerve and your body's ability to sink back into that parasympathetic tone so just start with some of the easiest things it's for free can you can you talk about the vagal nerve attachment to the diaphragm because that's that's like that's a really important connection for people because the diaphragm is not really getting activated when you're breathing up here. So please talk about that interaction. So we talked earlier about how our vagus nerve affects literally our, our respiratory rate and how we breathe and whether we're having that nice lower diaphragmatic breathing or we're using basically shorter breaths and we're using these upper respiratory, you know, I, I always, uh, I say just upper respiratory accessory muscles, but basically how you guys experience and feel this when you're stressed and you're in this mode is you say, oh, I carry all my stress in my traps. Well, no joke because you're in sympathetic and you're not breathing right. And so you basically start breathing with your shoulders all day. And then after a while, your traps get really tired of this. They start to tighten up and then the first rib doesn't move and then your shoulders and your neck start to kill you. And then this can start to lead to headaches. Oh man, I can go on and on. So, I mean, you go back to the breath, man. And like these people are stuck in a short breath all day long because they're stressed and they're not even aware that that's like, sympathetic tone that's why they 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 feel that way and so the diaphragm you have this massive innervation there and this huge thin muscle that has to expand right i mean when we breathe in and take these massive deep breaths and you have a good diaphragmatic breath it's like filling a pillow right we talk about that in (laughs) yoga you're you're filling this pillow and your obliques fire out at the sides and you can feel it on your pelvic floor you know and up under the rib cage and then when you exhale it, it it deflates it's i mean a lot of air you can hold in there when you're breathing right but it's so funny man like we've all been here and i come in and out of this this is how i know when i'm stressed is where you you catch yourself 
And like, you're not breathing with your stomach and you're literally just breathing with your chest and your shoulders are starting to get all tight and your mid back is starting to tighten up between your shoulder blades. And then you start moving your neck side to side and everything just starts to stiffen. And it's because you've been stuck in that very shortened breath tone for a while. So this leads to a cascade of other problems just structurally, man. Um, Totally. And talk about this because, and this is where a chiropractor comes into play. And it's not just about getting an adjustment, but the innervation that's happening because of the chronic constriction, the tightening in the muscles and whatnot, that's going to feed like where those nerve outlets are in the cervical spine and the upper thoracics. That's feeding to your digestion, your heart. Like go, go on that rant, man, because <laughs> that's so, huge. So as we're talking about just the breath and the sympathetic tone, we just went to, to the breathing. Then you're going to see this cascade in other areas in the body. So we have the cervical spine, like Nick is saying, start to tighten up. We lose mobility in the upper shoulder girdle and in between the shoulder blades. Then to compensate the low back, because we're not breathing right, we're going to start to tighten in our low back as well. So then you're going to have this onslaught of issues into the hips. Okay. And then it actually moves, you know, moving back to the core area of our body where underneath our diaphragm, all the fascia, that abdominal fascia that basically wraps our organs, this starts to constrict. It kind of winds like a rubber band. So digestive wise, this is what people start to come in. They start to come in with the hiatal hernias and they're having issues with reflux. Okay. And then they're starting to have issues with digestion. So then they're not going, they're constipated all the time. So it's slowing bowel movements down. Right. So then this is all like rock hard in their abdomen. You push on their stomach and it's tender to the touch. So if you guys have ever noticed when you're in this state and you push on your stomach, it's very tender all around where you're like your liver is and your stomach and your small intestine, your colon. And that's because you're, you're slowing down there. Things are not moving the way that they're supposed to. And so you get this onslaught of all these things that start to break down downstream. And then if you're stuck in this state too long, like I'm saying, one of the biggest things that gets affected, and we talk about this, is the psoas muscle. And this is because of the kidney innervation of the vagus nerve. You know, the vagus nerve affects the kidneys, and basically what happens is – your psoas muscle is this massive muscle that connects from the hip, the lower trunk up into your upper torso along the lumbars and the lower thoracics. So it's kind of holding your midsection, your upper and your lower half of your body together. So you have the psoas and the iliopsoas. Very, they call these the muscles of the soul. And the reason they do that is because they're highly affected by our mental, emotional stress and our body's ability to get stuck in this stressful state. But when that muscle goes, man, Man, you talk about massive low back issues, people that have issues with sciatica. I mean, all, like I'm saying, just coming back upstream to this main problem. So it's interesting when people come in now and they're like, oh, well, my back hurts. They think it's just as easy as me just popping a bone back in place. No, that's not the case. I don't even look at it that way anymore. I say, look, we need to fix the bigger picture of how we ended up with that problem because that's the downstream effect. So yeah, man, I mean, I see it structurally across the board with all kinds of structural issues, whether it's a neck issue or headaches or low back or, you know, mid back pain or, you know, even sciatica or whatever it may be, all the basic stuff you're going to see a chiropractor for, but it goes so much beyond that. Like you're saying, look at digestion, look at breathing, look at, you know, it's going to start to affect physiology. So long-term we're going to have the chronic inflammation like Mm -hmm. we talked earlier. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the whole health picture, like I said earlier, and it's just crazy to follow that rabbit hole and see how far it goes. Yeah, and that's, you know, this is why 
there's no one practitioner that can do it all unless you live in El Paso and can see Dr. David. (laughs) (laughs) I unfortunately don't do adjustments anymore. I mean, we were trained in some level of it, but uh, I mean, you you need a team. Like most people are not going to have a an, an all-in-one type physician. Now we do a ton of stuff. We don't do a lot of physical medicine, um, but uh, you know that's that's the reality, folks. Is that you need a bunch of amazing practitioners on your health team to guide you in these different areas. You need to learn how to detox. You need to learn how to breathe and move properly. You need to learn how to get your body back into communication with neurointegration systems and chiropractic adjustments. Um, you need someone to be able to read your blood work. You need sometimes to get a you know a higher nutrient dose of certain vitamins and minerals. So you might need an IV, you know. And then you know when you're ready, you can start to really move into optimization from from you know let's say the longevity lab or some of the other tools that like Dr. David Wardy has a Beamer and the foot bath and the saunas and you know all these things to just move us into a state where we're sort of an equilibrium between toxins in toxins out trauma in trauma out infections in you know controlling the immune system to such a degree where we can meet the resistance of the moment instead of succumbing to each one of those different layers and uh so i encourage all of you like this it doesn't start and stop with diet and exercise people it's like that's a foundational piece, um, of course, from a lifestyle point of view, but breath is part of that. And, and, you know, so when we talk about these things, part of it can be like, oh, shoot, there's a lot of things to look at. Yes. And you've got your whole life ahead of you. So it's not about doing everything all at once, but you need to start finding people you can put together on your health team that are going to serve you in these different areas. And hopefully they can also work together and, and respect the role that each practitioner has to play in, in this process. Just like we need someone to fix our computer. We need someone to fix our car. You're not going to get the same two people to do that, do that, do that work. Right. You know, we need guidance and mentorship in these different areas. And it's just like we do ourselves. We've got mentors as well. Well, and be proactive. Don't be that individual who's reactive in their health and just waits for things to break down. You know, the thing we're hitting home right now is be active in removing interference you know, I tell my patients all the time, I didn't get where I am today overnight. Like every day I learn something new and I work harder at removing a new interference that maybe I learn to create awareness for myself that I didn't know, you know, or we make small investments with things like, you know, like I said, one year our air, another year our water, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we always buy quality food. You know, we, we, that's a priority with our, our financial budget. You know, that's not something yeah. that I have a budget for. Like I yeah. buy the best food available, period. Yeah. Everything comes after that. You know, it's the best health insurance money can buy, like I tell people. But you have to get, this has to become a a lifestyle almost. You have to live in this state. And it's not, I mean, it's going to be new and and it could be a little overwhelming. But like I say all the time, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like how can you get better every day as you move forward? And where are you going to be in five, 10 years? Because if you're not well, you didn't get here overnight. And if you need to get well, you're not going to get there overnight either. It's yeah. going to take, it's going to take to making that U-turn, turning yourself around and starting to head in the right direction, but you will get there, but you're going to have to put in the work. You are gonna have to make the changes. Yeah. It's such an important message and we all need to hear it. You know, when we're, when Dave and I talk to each other, we're also building each other up. We're also, this message is for us as well. And, and where can we shine a little bit more light on, on certain areas? Like what are we maybe letting slide, you know? And, uh, 
it's an important message. So we're, when we're, when we're talking like this, it's not that we're saying we've, we know everything. You're not doing it right. You need to pick up your socks. We all need to pick up our socks and we all need to educate one another. And when we're getting this kind of information, we need to live it to lead it. Right. So in, that's the message that we, that we follow in our practices. And it's the message that we encourage every single patient or member in our, in our uh, clinics to start to adopt because you all, need to be ambassadors for everybody else. Like we're in a global pandemic right now. We need to constantly educate one another in a loving kind of way and a non-shaming kind of way in a way that's actually going to elevate people as opposed to adding more gravity to an already stressful, you know, sympathetic dominant state that most of us are in, you know, so how can we look towards levity and elevation and, and moving people into a frequency of their true potential, because that's all, that's actually what we're talking about here. We're asking you to move into the frequency of uh, your, your birthright of what it means to be a human, you know, a light body, hue, light man, no, not gender specific man, woman, whatever, uh, anything in between we're, we're frequencies of light and vibration. And so when we raise our vibration because we're putting high vibrational food in our body, we're raising our vibration because we're creating proper vibration through our movement and our breath and our thought patterns, which are all vibrational and, and have a frequency to them. Um, you know, add to the list here, David, uh, getting proper adjustments so your body is a, a resonant, highly functional, highly communicative uh, physical system that can run electricity, which is your nervous system, your fascial networks throughout this entire coordinated effort. So you can receive information that you know, it's going to serve you and you can get rid of the information or, or that which does not serve you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Adjustments are key, man. Uh, I would say in addition to adjustments, get NIS done, neurological integration system. That's that way you're, you're tapping in a little deeper to the brain. You're letting the brain make the adjustment. You're going to be able to address some of the vagal nerve stuff at a little bit of a deeper level. Uh, that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, we haven't talked about cold water immersion, man. Mm, that's a one. big one. That's an easy biohack for people to start to play with. Yeah, let's, well, let's talk about that. I mean, there's different ways to do it, right? Um, Sonia, the, the only, my wife, the only way that she does cold water immersion now is just after a sauna. And so, I, I mean, great adaptation tool, hot to cold, right? Um, especially in Canada. I mean, it's a little bit colder up here uh, than it is down there where you guys are at. But um, nonetheless, having a, a quick adaptive change in the body where your body's forced into uh, – uh, an, an applied and unknown stress response so that you can build resilience and, and a true ad, adaptive, you know, healthy adaptive response as opposed to a, a chronic one. I mean, we know that pain goes down in with, with uh, cold therapy. Um, inflammation goes down. Uh, immune function goes up. Your immune system will be stronger by showing it an adaptive process like cold therapy mood is improved it's shown that hormones are actually even activated and increased testosterone can build uh, you're building brown fat in your body so your metabolic rate can increase i mean uh, there's a, there's a whole list of different things that happen with cold immersion and then you can flip the switch into to sauna therapy and increasing heat shock proteins and immune function through you know proper dna folding and proper you know immune system upregulation to, to, to fight viruses, bacteria, what have you. I mean, we've got all the tools within, within us, but are we invoking that, that uh, healthy stress response to, to enforce a change within? 
what else do we got for him, man? We got cold immersion, chiropractic. We got some NIS. We got breathing. Yeah, fasting, right? Fasting, beautiful. Yeah, dive in, bud. So fasting, let's just start with the simplest piece of it. What are we doing when we don't eat all the time? We're letting our body rest. Yeah. So for some of us, believe it or not, you eat too much to the point where it's putting stress on your body and your body is literally having a, res a stress response because you're feeding it too much. Mm -hmm. When you're not moving well and you're stuck in that sympathetic tone already and then you keep eating, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And so this is going to start to cause a lot of problems downstream. So something as simple as just eating less often, right, is going to have a massive effect because you're letting your body rest. You're allowing it to just sink back in and just focus on the basics. And it doesn't have to focus on digesting because when we eat food, that's the priority of the body at that moment. It's going to try to work on digesting it. And believe it or not, like I said earlier, the state of your nervous system plays a massive role in whether you're going to digest that, that meal well and get the energy that you need and assimilate from it and, and, and not be causing that inflammation in the gut or the food's going to sit and we're not going to get anything out of it. So even more of a reason when you sit down to eat, relax and breathe and take your time and chew your food because all these things are actually playing into how well you're going to digest that food. Well, I'm glad you said chew your food. I mean, one of my teachers, uh, I think I was doing total body modification course and he was saying, we all have a juicer. We're walking around with it. It's our teeth, right? Like juice your food every time you eat and you do that by chewing properly and slowly and consciously. You know, I, I love that you said that. Um, yeah, another one would be, you know, how are you moving? Are you moving? Movement is key. You know, your body needs to go through, uh, you know, especially when you're feeling stress. I tell people to, this all the time. Like, if you want to work out to build a, you know, beautiful body, go for it. But really working out is for your brain. If you want to get proper communication into your brain, into the rest of your body, you got to move. You got to, you got to do those yoga postures, you know, do those push-ups, the run, the, you know, the kettlebell swings, whatever that is, you, you got to, you got to stimulate the brain with, with, you know, different types of movement therapy and it's for your brain first and you do it steadily enough. You do it consistent enough. You do it with enough type of variation. You're going to build a beautiful body as well, you know, as a, as a sidebar, but let, let's not, let's not put the, you know, the cart before the horse. This is really about brain health first, in my opinion. When I hear you talking about that, I just think about running, right? Huh, totally. You know, like you have one of those good solid runs and after you're done running, you know, a lot of runners will say this, it's, it's a runner's high, but like, I think a lot of them are feeling that parasympathetic tone and that calmness right after their run because they were able to stimulate that nerve tone in their system. Yeah. So, I mean, what a, what a great way. I mean, they talk about how important just, you know, on the other end of it, like you're saying, it's, it's mainly for your brain. Yeah. I mean, just 30 minutes of cardio two to three times a week has a massive impact on your nervous system. So it's, it's just a tool again, and it's free and you just got to get out, get outside and move. Yeah. Well, I love that, you know, I've had patients that came, we could try to stop calling them patients, call them members to our clinic that have come in and, and their doctor has prescribed um, uh, movement therapy or exercise instead of uh, antidepressant or anxiolytic because the studies are out there. I mean, movement and exercise is just as, or if not more powerful than the effect of being on medication. And, you know, what a f level of freedom it is to hear that from, uh, from their GP to go like, hey, start with that. 
start with exercise, start with movement. Um, again, still look upstream, find out some of the root cause traumas, toxins, infections, et cetera. But, you know, bring that into your life and it's, it's important. So what are, any, any other things you can think of as far as like lifestyle tools that people can incorporate? Well, I can't think of lifestyle tools, but I do have something I'd like to tell my patients. And I think every human being has experienced at one point or another. So I call this a mood altering poop. <laughs> Love it. See, and you laugh. Nick only laughs because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, man. So one of the things you, Paul, have already noticed in your life at one point or another, this is funny, I like talking about this, <laughs> is like you, ha you had to go drop a deuce. You had to go number two. Everybody, we do this, so it's not a big deal. I'm going to talk about it. And basically, you go, you have this massive, good, solid bowel movement. And when you get it out finally and you flush that toilet and you stand up, you feel like this crazy, calm, relaxed high yeah. right after you walk out of the bathroom. And we have all felt that at one yeah. time or another. And that is literally vagal nerve being stimulated from you having that massive bowel movement. So that's what it feels like when you really stimulate the vagus nerve and you get into that state. You know, I get, I get close to that when I do cold water immersion. Hmm. If I do a couple rounds, like four minutes, and I jump out, I feel that like almost like calm high. I mean, yeah, we've all experienced that. So I want people to ask me to relate to what that feeling feels like. You literally just feel super calm and relaxed and you feel like light. You feel weightless when you get up, when you get yeah. up, you know? So and it's funny because my NIS patients, that's what they describe when I do the vagal nerve stuff to them. Yeah. You go a little deeper on it now and they get up off the table and they're just like, oh man, I feel like super light and just like, I want to just go take a nap. I'm like relaxed. And because mm -hmm. they're not used to being in that relaxed state, it's so foreign to them because they're always in that fight or flight emergency mode. Totally. So I, to I, love that. That, I love that you said that because that's just a basic regulatory system. Like we should be waking up in the morning or our digestive system should be waking us up. You know, there, there's, a, there's an Ayurvedic doctor, Dr. Uh, Vlad, and uh, he, he says something along, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically... Um, bless those who are awoken by their digestive system to start their day or something along those lines. But that, that's the idea. It's like your circadian rhythm is stimulating the clock of the body, the vagal nerves uh, communication to your digestive organs and say, it's time to get up. It's time to release time to get on with the day. And that's, I love that you said that. And I think that's a good, good place to sort of like wrap things up here. Um, We'll, I must we'll, be doing good, man, because that's literally how I wake up every morning. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I beat my alarm clock because it's time for a bowel movement. There you go. Up and it's time <laughs> to get the engine started. You have that good BM, right? Yeah. You do your early meditation and you're like good to go, right? And you're getting into that parasympathetic tone in the morning. Oh, so true. So, you know, let's, let's throw some home play at them. Like what... You know, maybe that should be a little sign. They should, you know, check that box if that's happening. Great. And move on to something new. But yeah, what do, what do you think for home play, buddy? So I challenge people. We listed a good set of tools today. So I'm going to challenge you just to start with one of those. Yeah. So if that means you maybe want to try chiropractic or go see an, an, an NIS practitioner, look them up, go see somebody. Uh, for now, because of the quarantine and the lockdown stuff or wherever you are right now, Probably just start with some breathing and maybe some cold water immersion at home, right? Just start using the tools that are either accessible or easy to you right now, but just start with one yeah. and just try to become consistent with it. 
And, and honestly, I think the breath is probably just the easiest place to start. And, and, and if you need some guidance here, there's lots of apps now available. Uh, Nick, the, is HeartMath one of them? Heart, yeah, you can, that's an easy one for people. Yeah. There's one called Calm Now where you watch videos and it shows you how to do your breath mm-hmm. rate while you're doing it. There's all these things available to you now to use as tools. Uh, some of them are small investments. Some of them are free. But if you need assistance, use the guidance of something like that. But just start a practice and then try it, like we say, try it for at least 30 days and then, and then have passed some kind of judgment on it. But you got to have it a pra- as a practice first before, before yeah. you do that. I love that you said that too, because try something can mean so many different things to so many people. <laughs> try it out. Sure, I tried it for a minute and didn't, didn't do anything or maybe did something, but nah, it's, it's too much work. But you mentioned, I mean, this is literally something that needs to be, uh, become a part of your daily rhythm. And after you, you know, get that one locked in, you move on to the next thing. So that's, that's a great, uh, great suggestion. Pick one of those tools, one that you haven't yet mastered and start to build that into your lifestyle. Beautiful stuff. And when you're in that state of emergency and you have those high stress moments, Move into your breath. Close your eyes, even if it's 60 seconds, and just move into your breath. And you, like Nick was saying earlier, it's just it's flipping the switch. It's down-regulating. It's getting that control back. So this was fun, man. Mm-hmm. A good one for the times we're in, right? So you know, all, the you, all of you listening, again, we're super grateful that you're sharing this message. You're, you're embodying what you can. And and, um, you know, to anyone who's had uh, more serious complications or family members who have been, uh, you know, affected by what's going on, you know, your, your heart coherence, the state of your nervous system literally has an effect on those around you. So how, you, how can you be the elevator for people? How can you help to lift people up? How can you, you know, build something into your practice that now you're impacting those that, that you love? And uh, that's, that's a vital vital tool that we all have uh, access to should we exercise it. So that's our encouragement to you guys is you take this information, you apply it, you share it, you, um, you know, you continue to spread this information because it's, it's so important. And if we're going to move through anything together, if we had all these tools and, you know, in our tool belt, we're, we're going to be a much more resilient uh, community uh, going forward. So that's that. Be, Be the light. Be the light. Love now it. is the time to feel all this fear and worry. I mean, we're all gonna, we're all in this together. We're all gonna have to problem solve. We're all gonna have to figure out how to pick up the pieces at the end of this. But you know what? We don't need to live in it until we get there, yeah. and we don't need to have to deal with it till we get there. So why don't you spend your days in love and gratitude, and spend times and focus on the things that matter most in life right now. Enjoy the time that we have while the hamster wheel is slowing down. Mm-hmm. And I know this can feel uncomfortable for so many people, but gosh, take advantage of this. The wheel is slowing down. It's almost a stop. So just soak in and, and appreciate what is most important right now and in your life and get it. This is a good time for a hard reset, man. I think for all of us. Mm-hmm. So be in that state of light and that happiness and that love and fill your day with that. And, and like I said, and then when, when, when we have to start problem solving and putting the pieces back together, we will. And, and we'll all get through this. So that's all I have to say about that. I love it, buddy. I love your words. Love you. Love your family. Love you too, man. Yeah. Okay. All the best guys. Have an amazing, amazing day. And uh, yeah, stay strong, stay healthy. 
Stay healthy, be well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.